0: Are perfect in all of your ways. Lord, I thank you that this morning, Lord, your attention is on every single one of us. You know us by heart, Lord. You know everything about us. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest under the shadow of the Almighty. Lord, I thank you this morning, Lord God, that those of us who are weary and burdened in heart. In our minds, the things that, that, Lord God, bombard us in life. Lord, the stuff that stops us from going to sleep at night. Lord, you say that we can come into your presence this morning. And we will find rest for our soul. Your eye is on every single one of us, Lord. You're mindful of us. You think about us. Lord, you are plotting the course of our life today to lead us into a place of blessing, and to bring honor and glory to your name. Lord, Lord, we understand that, Lord, life isn't easy. Life isn't plain sailing. Lord, you don't give us a map or a chance to navigate and skirt around the hurts and the pains of life. But you promise to be in them with us, Lord. And this morning, Lord, I pray, Lord God, as I deliver your word, as I speak your word as I step out of my weakness into your strength, into your anointing, into the supernatural, that, Lord, the words that I speak might be spirit and life in order to bring blessing, to resurrect hope, to bring peace and comfort to those who are vexed in their spirit, vexed in their soul, troubled this morning. And everybody said, Amen. You may be seated. Hey, this is better than Barry Island, isn't it? On a Sunday morning, great day. I'm not sure whether the weather forecasters forecasted this day, but I don't know about you. There's no better place to be on a Sunday morning than in the house of God. Amen, amen, amen. Well, I want to I want to speak this morning on probably the greatest miracle that Jesus ever performed: the raising of Lazarus from the grave. What an awesome miracle that was. And to give a background to the story, I want to read uh, the the whole passage. It's a a, a lengthy chapter. It's from John 11. So if you've got your Bibles, I'm sure it'll come up on the screen. We're going to read from verse 1, uh, going on to verse 44. As I say, it's a lengthy passage, but I felt in order to give a background and an understanding for what I believe the Holy Spirit wants to say this morning, I felt it was important to go through this story, so stay with me, stick with it, and we'll get through this. I'll try and, uh, there's some, of the, some points, some scripture in this, I'll try and uh, leave out just to, to try and make it as concise as I can, but we're going to read from verse 1. It says, Now a certain man was sick, Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary and her sister Martha. It was that Mary who anointed the Lord with fragrant oil and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore the sisters sent to him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. When Jesus heard that, he said, this sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he had heard that he was sick, he stayed two more days in the place where he was. Then after this, he said to the disciples, let us go to Judea again. Then moving on to verse 11. Our friend Lazarus sleeps, Jesus said to the disciples. But I go that I might wake him up. Then his disciples said, Lord, if he sleeps, he'll get well. However, Jesus spoke of his death. But they thought he, that he was speaking about taking rest in sleep. And Jesus said to them plainly, are you glad that sometimes Jesus will t- talk to us plainly? He will say it as it is, folks. He doesn't mamby-pamby around us. He doesn't mince his words. He will tell you straight how things are. Amen? People will try and fob you off. But I tell you this, Jesus is truthful and honest. He's not a man that he would lie. He's not a son of man that he would change his mind. When he speaks, he acts. And when he promises, he will fulfill. Amen? Amen. Lazarus is dead, he said. And I'm glad for your sakes that I was not there, that you may believe. Nevertheless, let us go to him. Then moving on to verse 17. So when Jesus came, he found that he had already been in the tomb for four days. Now, Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles away, and many of the Jews had joined the women around Martha and Mary to comfort them concerning their brother. Now, Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him, but Mary was sitting in the house. Now, Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. Amen. I am the resurrection and the life. He who, and he who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in, in me shall never die. Do you believe this? He said to her. And she said to him, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the son of the living God, who is to come into the world. And when she had said these things, she went her way and secretly called Mary, her sister, saying, The teacher has come and is calling for you. As soon as she heard that, she arose quickly and came to him. Now Jesus had not yet come into the town, but was in the place where Martha met him. The, then the Jews who were there with her in the house and comforting her, when they saw that Mary rose up quickly and went out, they went out and followed her, saying, She is going to the tomb to weep there. Then when Mary came where Jesus was and saw him, she fell down at his feet, saying to him, Lord. If you had been here, my brother would not have died. Therefore, when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who came with her weeping, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled. And he said, where have you laid him? And they said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, see how he loved him. And some of them said, could not this man who opened the eyes of the blind also have kept this man from dying? Then Jesus again, groaning in himself, came to the tomb. It was a cave and a stone lay against it. And Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of him who was dead, said to him, Lord, by this time there is a stench, for he had been dead four days. Jesus said to her, did I not say to you that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God? Hallelujah. How many born again believers do we have in this place who are willing to see the glory of God this morning? In your life. I tell you, if you're willing to believe, if you're willing to trust, if you're willing to release your faith and trust God this morning, I believe God wants to do something special. Amen? Amen. So they took the stone away from from the place where the dead man was lying. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you've heard me. And I know that you always hear me. But because of the people who are standing by, I said this, that they may believe that you sent me. Now, when he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he who had died came out, bound hand and foot with grave clothes. And his face was wrapped with cloth. And Jesus said to them, loose him and let him go. What an awesome story that is. Amen. You see, what we've read this morning is not some fable or far-fetched story made up of half-truths. The characters and events that we have just read about are real, folks. They are real. This is this story was not exaggerated like some kind of Hollywood movie or sensationalized like in a paperback novel to sweeps people from a from, from reality into a place of a fant into fantasy in some kind of fantasy world. No, the events that happened in this story are real, folks. A man that was raised from the dead after four days, a man where all hope had been lost. A man who was dead, bound, and stinking for four days was raised from the dead. Folks, that actually happened. And you see, this story is authored by God. It's been ordained by God. It was not meant to impress a church congregation or the tickly ears of an audience somewhere. This story, whose author is God, has been meant to minister into the brokenness and barrenness of men men and women's lives this morning. I believe that. You see, I believe there are people here this morning that just like Mary and Martha, you've experienced the death of a Lazarus. Something, something in your life has died. You've faced the death of a Lazarus. Something has been snatched away from you. Something has been taken away from you violently. That something could be a loved one that's, that's been lost. It could be a dream that you've been holding on to. It could be a situation that you were believing with all your heart was going to work out. But suddenly that thing is gone and it's left you broken. It's left you bewildered and bereft of hope. You just don't know how you can go on. Listen, I want to tell you this morning that Jesus, the Prince of Peace, is here. The resurrection and the life is here. He is here to bring deliverance. On the other side of your disappointment, he's here to bring faith after the funeral. After you thought that thing wouldn't work out. After you've written that thing off. After that thing maybe have been dead, bound and stinking in the grave maybe for years. Jesus wants to see, I believe for some people this morning, maybe not for all. But Jesus wants to see your Lazarus rise again. Do you believe that? And for, for just a short time this morning, with the with time available, I just want to share from this story maybe three or four observations or truths to encourage you, to, 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 to cause faith and hope to rise up inside of you. You know, I believe above all, Jesus wants to comfort His people. I just sense that's the Spirit of God in this place is saying to us this morning. He wants to comfort His people this morning. He wants to bestow upon you the oil of joy instead of mourning, a garment of praise instead of this spirit of despair that's been hovering around you like a cloud maybe for weeks, months, or even years. God wants to, He wants to set you free this morning. Amen? Amen. Well, the first point, when I looked at the story, the first, I want to share maybe a couple of relational truths and a couple of Um, just instructional truths if we've got time this morning but the first point from this story that I want to say this morning is is this Jesus was in control Jesus was in control when Mary and Martha sent for Jesus Lazarus was so sick he was on the verge of death he was so sick that that he was about to die but listen to what the verse 4 says listen to what Jesus says this sickness will not end into death no, it's for God's glory so that the Son of God may be glorified. Let me tell you this morning. Listen, the only time that Jesus will get glory out of sickness and death is when he's kicked out of our lives. I tell you this now. Listen, Jesus does not put a sickness on you to teach you a lesson. He don't, he don't put sickness on you. He's not the orchestrator of sickness. He doesn't put that on you to teach you a lesson. Listen, you know, the only time that sickness, God is glorified through sickness is when he comes out of our lives. When it's kicked out of our lives, you know the great D.L. Moody, the preacher, American minister, he was preaching at a funeral one day. And he he, he hadn't preached at a funeral before, so he decided to look through the scriptures to find out how Jesus ministered at a funeral. But as you can probably have guessed, his search was in vain because he found out that when Jesus was ever confronted with a funeral, he smashed that thing apart. He broke that thing up. And you see, that's what Jesus does around death and despair and disappointment. He kicks that thing out of our lives. He smashes that thing up. That's what he wants to do. That's what Jesus is all about. He has come to give you life and life in abundance. That's life of quantity and life of quality this morning. You know, we all know the scripture. Pastor Dave ministered on it. I think it was a couple of weeks ago when he spoke about Joseph. Romans 8, 28. Many of us can quote the scripture off by heart. It says, doesn't it, that God, everything works together for the good of those who love God and who are called according to His purpose. Everything works together for the good of those who love God. Do you notice it doesn't say here, everything works together for the good of those who believe in God? You see, there are many people who profess to believe in God, but they don't love Him, they don't follow Him, they don't worship Him, but it doesn't say that. Those things will work out for them. It says those who love God, even the devils believe, but they don't follow God. But I want to say this this morning, if you love God, no matter what's going on in your life right now, no matter how bad the situation appears, let me tell you this. Jesus is in control of your life. Jesus, listen. You need to get this in your spirit. Don't give up hope. Don't lose your faith. Don't grow weary in doing good because God is going to turn this situation around if you trust God for your good, amen? D.L. Moody said, listen, don't give up your ticket when the train's in the middle of the tunnel. Keep holding on. Keep believing, keep trusting because God is going to come through for you if you trust, if you believe. Listen, things are not what they seem. Pastor Dave spoke about the the, the tapestry, didn't he? The one side is a a mess of chaotic thread. You can't make sense of it. But the other side is an incredible masterpiece, ordained and crafted by the author and the finisher of our faith. How incredible is that? I want to put a picture up on the screen if we've got it. Listen, things are not how they appear. When you look at that picture, what do you see? I'm sure many of us have seen this before, but what do you see when you look at that picture? How many see the haggard old woman? Put your hand up if you can see that. Okay, there's a a fair few. How many see the, the beautiful lady? There's pretty much more of us. How many can see both? Quite a few of us can see both. But it's a bit like life, isn't it? It's a bit like life. When you look at that picture, you see those both images are there, but it just depends how you view it. And I want to say this morning, when you look at your life right now, what do you see? What are you looking at? You know, because what you see is different to what God sees. You see a vulnerable, weak person, but do you know what God sees? He sees a pulpit through which he's ministering his, his grace and his glory and his mercy to others. You look at your life and, it, and it, you see just a war zone. It's carnage all around you. It's a mess. But do you know what God sees? God sees a gymnasium from which he's developing the muscle of your faith. You look at a, a dead corpse in a grave, you know what God sees? God sees incredible potential. He sees a seed in the ground that's ready to burst forth into incredible, amazing life. That's what God sees. It's just how you look at things. And if you're born again, spirit lover of God this morning, let me tell you this: God is in control of your life. The devil's not in control, people are not in control. Circumstances are not in control. The voices in your head are not in control. God is in control of your life. Amen. Amen. Jesus is in control of your life. The second point is this. So Jesus is in control. Jesus was compassionate. Jesus. He he cares about every single one of us in this room this morning, from the highest to the lowest. You know when trouble and heartache hit our lives, and it hits every one of us. Nobody is exempt from it. You know, when it's sustained, particularly over a long period of time, when things come into our life unannounced, they don't. You know, we don't get an appointment for disappointment, do we? It doesn't. You know, send a letter and give us a bit of preparation. No, it suddenly comes in. But when it hits us, and when it's sustained over a long period of time, it very often it has a habit to cause us to question God. God, I've been. Mean, you know, I, I love you. You have the power. You have the means to help me. But God, you're not doing anything. Lord, why aren't you doing anything? How many have been there? I think we've all been there, haven't we? And in this story, Martha and Mary uh, could have been forgiven for thinking the same. In their, in their time of greatest need, in their hour of greatest need. Jesus, who had the power to change that situation. Jesus, the worker of miracles. Jesus... Who could, who could heal the sick, and he deliberately stayed away. You know, Mary and Martha may not have said it, but I, I bet it was in their eyes. I bet they were thinking it. Jesus, so-called friend, a so-called friend, and you can't even be bothered to turn up when we call for you. In a, in a time of greatest need, you could have saved us from all this distress, all this heartache and pain, and you couldn't even be bothered to show up. And I believe there are people here this morning who, who feel the same. You've, you've made a commitment to Jesus. You love God. But in your heart, you're saying, God, you know I love you. You know what I'm going through. I've confessed your word, Lord. I've stood on your word. I believed your promises. I've confessed the scripture to you. But God, why aren't you showing up? Why aren't you doing anything? Why haven't you turned up? And you've come to the conclusion this morning that God doesn't love you or God doesn't care for you. And the sad thing is you believe it's because of something you've done or maybe something that you haven't done. And that God in some way is is teaching you a lesson. Let me tell you this. Jesus cares for you this morning. He really does. He is filled with love and compassion for you. And there is a reason why you're going through what you're going through right now. There is a reason for it. There's a reason why God appears to be silent. He's not punishing you. That's not the reason. You know, when you look at this story, we might not have all the answers why Jesus delayed going to Lazarus, but one thing is for sure. The delay was for a reason. And I want to say this this morning, and maybe this is just for a few people, but you need to catch all of this. You need to get this inside of you. God's delay in your life right now is not to disappoint you. It's not to discourage you. It's not to disillusion you, but it's to develop you. In this process... In this process that you're in right now, in this furnace of affliction that you're in, God is doing something wonderful, I tell you. I can remember listening to a message by, uh, by a man, a great man of God called R.T. Kendall. I've used this illustration loads of times before because for me it's so apt. So if you've heard it, just forgive me for saying it again. But R.T. Kendall, a great man of God in Westminster Chapel. In, in London. He was there for 30 years and there's such a great line of preachers come from that church like C.H. Spurgeon and Dr. Martin Lloyd Jones and this Artie Kendall, a great seasoned minister of God. He talks about breaking the betrayal barrier and he says there comes a point in a believer's life where they feel as if God is, is working against them. and In fact not just working against them, it's actually betraying them. And he says when a believer gets to that point in their life he says they don't turn their back on God neither do they move forward he says they remain in a state of suspended animation moaning, groaning, murmuring, complaining not growing, not enlarging not changing their environment but they remain in that state until they go to the grave but he said every once in a while every so often there's a believer that will push through they will push through the pain push through the misunderstanding push through the hurt and rejection push through these feelings of betrayal into the anointing, into the intimacy and the power that God has got for their lives. Folks, we've got to push through. We've got to push through. And I was reading, I just, the, 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 this, uh, this thought came to mind. And I was just reading an extract from his book, one of his books, which I thought was really interesting recently. And he said this. He said, in his experience as a minister, now this fellow now is nearly 70, I think nearly 80 years of age. And he says, an increase in anointing, an increase in power, and intimacy with God. He said it's not come through the laying of hands. It's not come through prayer and fasting. And all those things are wonderful. And God can impart his power and his presence and his anointing through the laying of hands. But in his experience, and I don't know about you, but in mine, it doesn't come that way. He said it's come from extreme hurt, extreme difficulty, disappointments, and the feelings of betrayal. You see, God, in all this stuff, is doing something in your life. He's doing something to enrich you and increase your, you, you, you and your, in your inside of you. You know, in our instant society where, you know, we can, we can cook a meal in a minute, pop it in the microwave, bang, it's out, ping, it's out. We can send a message across the world in seconds. It's a little wonder when we don't get, why we get angry and vexed and frustrated when we don't get what we want when we want it. Isn't it? We, we get frustrated, I don't know about you, but one of, the, one of the virtues that I lack, especially when I'm driving, is patience. Anybody else the same with that? i got no patience at all. My God, and you know, he pulls me up over it all the time. But there's no condemnation for those in Christ, amen? <laughs> but we've got to learn. We have got to learn. But listen, God goes us to go, allows us to go through pain and sorrow for a reason. You know, there's a reason why he doesn't intervene in an instant. There is a reason. You see, if Lazarus had not died, Mary and Martha would have been saved two days of hurt. Two days of pain and sorrow and disappointment. But they would never have seen the the glory of God through the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. They would never have seen it. And you know, there's a reason why you're going through what you're going through right now. I believe that God is doing something incredible in your life. You see, for some of you this morning, God doesn't want to do a healing. He doesn't want to heal you. He He wants to bring forth a resurrection. Because it isn't the touch you need, it's a transformation you need. Some of us this morning, you know, the picture came to mind. Anybody seen The Walking Dead? It's not very pleasant to watch. But some of us can be walking around like spiritual zombies. We love God. We've asked Jesus in our heart, but there's no life in us. God wants to to infuse us with his life and his hope and strength and, and all that he has for us this morning. Now, but with all that you're going through, let me say Jesus has compassion on you and he cares about you. He doesn't take pleasure in seeing you go through hurt and pain. He doesn't. Look at what verse 33 says. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who came with her weeping, he groaned in spirit and was troubled. And he said, where have you laid him? And he said to him, Lord, come and see. And it says, Jesus wept. Jesus wept. Some people use that phrase as a swear word. Jesus wept. But what a profound verse that is. God was crying. Jesus wept. But, you know, when I read that, what I find a bit strange is, why did Jesus cry? Because all this thing had been set up. Jesus had set this thing up. He knew that Lazarus was going to die. He knew that he was going to raise him from the dead. He knew there was going to be a happy end. And so why did, he, why did he cry? I believe the reason why he cried is when he saw the the grief, when he saw the pain in Mary and Martha and and those that were with them, when he saw their grief and their pain and their hurt, it tore at his heart, it tugged at his heart and caused him to weep. You know, these tears that Jesus wept, they weren't tears of pity. They weren't tears of sympathy because pity and sympathy has no power to change a situation. These were tears of compassion, tears of love that reached into the barrenness and the brokenness and the death experiences of Mary and Martha's life to bring resurrection hope. Do you know, Jesus has seen the tears that you wept, tears that have stained your pillow. Nobody else has seen them. Nobody else knows about them. But Jesus has seen them. Jesus notices them. And i tell you this, he's not just seen your tears, he's weeping tears with you. Tears that are falling on the barrenness of your life to water the seed of hope. And faith that's rising up, that's gonna rise up. The Bible says in Proverbs, it says, Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. And I believe that Jesus' tears is in the tree of your life to cause it to grow, to cause it to bud and flourish and bring forth fruit again. Amen? Jesus is full of compassion for you. Going back to the story, in the last part of this verse, Jesus asked Mary and the crowd, where they had laid Lazarus. And they said, come Lord and see. And so Jesus and the crowd went to the tomb. You see, the tomb was the last place on earth where you would expect a miracle to take place. The tomb was a place of mourning. The tomb was a place of weeping. The tomb was a place of unbelief and doubt. It was the last place you would think a miracle could take place. And yes, Jesus took them there. And this morning, I believe this. I believe that Jesus wants to take you back to that place. Now, I'm not on about having counseling or psychotherapy to relive all the hurts and emotions and pain of the past. You can stick all that stuff for a start. I'm not talking about focusing on the things that you did wrong and dwelling over those things and wishing you could turn back the clock as none of us can turn back the clock. What I'm talking about this morning is Jesus, by the spirit of faith, showing you out that that dead and stinking thing can come forth resurrection life. Out of that dead, barren, hopeless situation, Jesus can bring life this morning. Do you believe that? That's what God wants to do for some of us here. Jesus was in control. Jesus was full of compassion. And I want to say, thirdly, Jesus, he gave a command. When Jesus came to the tomb where Lazarus was, where he'd been laid, he finds that there's a stone laid across the tomb. And so he says to the people there, he gives a command to the people, he says, take away the stone. You see, if Lazarus was going to walk out of that tomb, that stone had to be removed. The stone had to go. The stone stopped Lazarus hearing the voice of Jesus. The stone stopped him walking out into, into into the daylight of incredible life. The stone stopped him. And folks... For some of us this morning, if you want to see your Lazarus come to life again, if you want to see him raised, you've got to move away the stone. You've got to take the stone away. You've got to take the stone away. You know, Jesus told the people who were there to take away the stone. Why was that? It was because they put it there in the first place. Sometimes, in order for a miracle to take place, Jesus asks us to do something. I believe, do you know what? I thought about this. Do you know what I believe the stone represents? Jesus is saying this morning, expose that thing which has been hidden. Expose that thing, that, that barren, that death situation that you're shamed about. You know, when 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 Jesus told the people to take away the stone, he received opposition from the least likely source. Martha, listen to what Martha says here. She says, Lord, by this time there's been a stench. She's been dead and stinking for four days. Listen. When Jesus tells you to move the stone, move the stone. You know, I believe the Spirit of God is speaking to people this morning. You know you've got to expose something, you know you've got to deal with something. But the enemy, and maybe even the devil, and maybe even people close to you say you can't move the stone away. You can't move the stone. You move the stone away, it's gonna wreck your life, it's gonna ruin your reputation, it's gonna spoil your image. Don't move the stone away. You know, there's a stench, there's a stink, it's gonna cause you trouble. I was I was just thinking about that. You know, where where when we go when we walk through you know life is not a bed of roses, is it? When we walk through life, sometimes trouble hits us and we don't come out smelling like a bed of roses, do we? Even though we love Jesus. Isn't that the case? Do you know a smell will follow us sometimes. It will. Stench, trouble, a stink will follow us. Even when we're trying to do our best to serve Jesus, sometimes trouble will follow us. A stench will follow us. Can I tell you this story? Well, I'm going to tell you anyway. I I, uh, where I, I, worked where I in my present company now for about I don't know six, five, six years, or whatever, and um, and I can remember not long after starting work, I was, I was trying to create a good impression with people who were there, the managers and the, and and the, the staff, all the, those people there, and I'm blessed by having a car park literally next door to the office, so. You know, I haven't got to worry about in the mornings, you know, where I'm going to park or how long, you know, how long it's going to take me to get the work in the rain. I just literally get out of the car park and I'm into my office. It's fantastic. But I can remember on this one occasion, there was, uh, I had to get something. I'd gone to the office, I had to get something from my car, and it was on the fifth floor, the top floor of the car park. So to try and keep a little bit fit, it, it doesn't show, does it? But I thought I'd jog up to the fifth floor of the car park. I get up to the top, and my legs are like jelly. I mean, goodness. I. Like, I couldn't hardly walk all the time. I was gasping for breath. I got to the car. I got that thing out of the car. And I'm on the fifth floor thinking, shall I walk down or shall I take the lift? What shall I do? And as I'm deliberating, as I'm thinking about this, the door's ping, opens. Great. The guy gets out. I gets into the lift. Fantastic. I gets into the lift. Door's shut. And suddenly this smell, this rancid, putrid smell attacks my nostrils. This fella had broken wind. And I mean... I'm thinking, you dirty man. It's, I tell you what, I think it took, it took the lining off my lungs. It was so bad. It was disgusting, honestly. And I'm thinking, I'm, this is one I'm thing. I'm thinking, shall I get off at the next floor? Or shall I stick it? So I'm holding my breath thinking, no, I'm going to stick it. I'm going to try and get down to the bottom. I'm going to do my best. So the lift is going down. And as it's going down to the floor, this awful Fear struck me. My God, I hope there's not something, somebody down on the floor, down on the ground floor when the lift door open. So anyway, lift's come down, door's open. Who should stand in front of me but the managing director? And this woman is heading into the lift. I look at her, she looks at me, you know like a rabbit trapped in the headlights. That's what I was like. One part of my brain was saying, you've got to tell her something. The other part was saying, listen, she won't believe you, whatever you say. <laughs> and I, and I, went, I went into the office, oh my goodness. I know now what the bloke was smiling at me when he got out of the lift. He thought, you're going to take the blame for that one, sunshine. <laughs> but why did I say that? Well, I said that the point of this, this illustration is this. Stench and smell will follow us in life there'll be times when you'll be misunderstood, there will be times when you won't be able to explain your side of the story, there'll be times when you won't be able to explain what's going on. You you know, folks, you've just got to walk into your future and let people believe what they want to believe. That's the the way. And in removing your stone this morning, yes, you know, it it might cause you some embarrassment, but I tell you, if Jesus is commanding you to, to move away the stone, move away the stone, amen? move that stone, well, that stone could be anything, that stone could be hardness of heart, it could, it could be, you know, it could be bitterness, it could be unforgiveness, it could be unbelief, there's lots of things inside hidden that nobody sees that can be stopping your Lazarus from rising again. You know, my dad is a condition, a medical condition called gallstones, isn't there? My dad had gallstones and some crazy fool told him to drink a pint of olive oil with a dash of lemon. He said, you drink that? You'd be fine. My dad drank it. My dad drank a pint of olive oil. He's, not, he's got no problems with his joints today. They're fine. He's still got gallstones, Mike. No, he hasn't, actually. But this is amazing, right? This is amazing. He drank a pint of olive oil with a touch of lemon. And do you know what the amazing thing was? He passed those gallstones. He passed them. He kept them in a chair for ages as a trophy. But you know, I was thinking, you know, there's there's a condition far worse than gallstones. A condition that can keep us wrapped in grave clothes and stop us from moving into the fullness that God has got for us. And you know what that condition is? It's a stony heart. And the remedy to that condition is the oil of the Holy Ghost. You know, the Bible says that God has the power. It's God that hardens the heart, but it's God that softens it as well. And if you allow Jesus a little bit of room in your life this morning, you can soften that heart. He wants to soften your heart. He wants to help you. He wants to see your Lazarus rise again. But you've got to remove that stone. Amen. Can the, can the musicians come up? I'm just going to close in this morning. The third point of this, or fourth point, I should say, that, that I noticed here, an instructional point, was that Jesus called out. He said, when Jesus had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he who died came out, bound hand and foot with grave clothes. You know, Jesus is calling people this morning from a tomb of darkness, a tomb of despair, into the wonderful light of his presence. I believe that. There are too many people that I believe are waddling around, because that's what Lazarus did when he came out. He was waddling around in the grave clothes of an old life, well God has a brand new wonderful life for you. He's got an awesome life for you but you've got to let go of the old life in order to embrace the new life. That's the thing. Now I believe that when Jesus spoke those words, Lazarus come forth, I believe in a moment, in a blink of an eye, Lazarus came back to life again. Rigor mortis was reversed, that stony dead heart suddenly started to beat the deflated lungs started to suddenly take in air, the brain that was dead, the brain cells that weren't working started to fire again until death couldn't hold him and Lazarus came out. Jesus wants to give life to us this morning. God wants to set you free this morning. And what, for some, you may not know Jesus this morning, or maybe you've known him, you've gone away from him. You know, Jesus, what happened to Lazarus physically can happen to you spiritually today. That power, the same power that raised Lazarus, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead, can quicken your body, can lift you, elevate you, cause you to, propel you to move forward into the fullness, into into life that you've not experienced maybe for years and years and years. You know, Jesus will not impose himself on you. He's not going to force his way on you this morning. Just with every head bowed and every ice shut right now. Now people believe that after three days, the Jews had a, Jews had a tradition, after three days or custom, that the spirit left the body and it was impossible for that spirit to, to go back into the body. So that's why they thought four days, is no way he's going to be raised. No way. They all thought it was too late. This morning, you know, it's never too late to embrace your dream. It's never too late for that seed of hope and faith inside of you to grow up. But in a sense, when it comes to accepting Jesus in your life, there there can be a time when it's too late. It really can. If you were to die today without Jesus in your life, it's too late. The Bible says that one day soon, Jesus is gonna split the skies and return. One day soon, the archangel is gonna shout, there's gonna be a trumpet sound from heaven, and Jesus is gonna come back for his kids. If you don't know Jesus on that day, it's gonna be too late. But I believe this morning there are people here that wants to receive this life, this power that God has to offer. And with every head bowed and every eye shut, if you don't know Jesus as your Savior this morning, if you've never known Him or if, you, or if you've gone away from Him and lived in that life, been a barren life that has that just caused you to, to go through to go down life and uh, uh, you know into and you've just been hurt and pain it's led you to a dead end jesus wants to give life this morning so every head bowed and every eyes shut i'm going to pray a prayer and just pray this prayer after me lord jesus thank you for what i've heard this morning lord right now i i roll the stone away i take the i, I give you access to the to the tomb of my heart lord i pray this morning that you'll come in lord thank you for Dying on the cross for me. Thank you for, for, for forgiving me of my sin. Right now, Jesus, I give you access into my life. Thank you for dying for me, Jesus. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for saving me. Amen. Now, just with every bow and every eye shut, just in a, in a few moments, I'm going to ask you, if you prayed the prayer, just to put up your hand. And it, listen, it doesn't matter whether you pray the prayer out loud or whether you prayed it in the quietness of your own heart or you prayed it at home. It doesn't matter. Because I tell you, when you pray that prayer, listen, let me tell you this. A transformation will take place. A resurrection will take place inside of you. The Paul, Paul says about being crucified with Christ. Yes, your old life goes, but a new life begins. A wonderful, brand new, incredible life that God has got for you. Now, if you prayed that prayer, I would like to just to see you so the, the, the welcome team can, can give you some information just to start you on your life, on this new life, just to, just to help you go back on track again. Just, can you just put your hand up right now if you pray that prayer? Yeah, I can see your hand. There's, there's one, two, three, four fellows. That's brilliant. Is there anybody else? Awesome. Fantastic. That's great. That's awesome. Well, you know, the the welcome team are going to give you some, but can you just keep up your hands so that the welcome team can give you some information just to get, get you started. It's fantastic. Brilliant. You know, Jesus just doesn't do resurrection. He is resurrection. He's a resurrection and a life. Everything about him is life everything that exudes out of him everything that emanates out of him is life life, life and this morning you know Jesus wants to impart life you may be here and, and maybe you know as, as I've been ministering the seed of, of hope and faith has been re- a, a, a started to grow that, the seed of faith has been rekindled inside of you and there's an expectancy yeah my Lazarus could my Lazarus could rise again You know, or you may be here this morning and you know that your life is not what it should be. You're holding on to an old life. You're holding on to the grave clothes of an old life when God has incredible life for you. A much better life than the life you're trying to live yourself. Well, if you're in that situation this morning, I'm just going to pray. But I just thought, well, how can we do this? Because I'm not going to call an appeal. If there's stuff going on in your life right now and you know you need to get right with God. If God's word has spoken to you. And, and, and hope and faith has risen up inside you, I would like you to put your hand on your heart. Nobody needs to see it. Put your hand on your heart. God sees it, and that's the most important thing. You know, I was reading, when I, when I read this story, when I read this story, all the stuff that Mary and Martha went through, there's a great scripture, in, in that story, in verse 22, that really shows, really reveals the heart of Martha. I talked about breaking the betrayal barrier. I believe that Martha pushed through the betrayal barrier. She pushed through. She pushed through all the stuff that she was feeling, all the hurts. And she pushed through to press on into Jesus. Listen to what she said. She said, but even now, Lord, I know that God will give you whatever you ask. In other words, she was saying, Jesus, I don't understand why you didn't turn up. I don't understand why Lazarus died. I don't understand why I'm feeling all this pain. I don't like it, Lord. But even now, I know that Jesus, you can do the impossible. Even now, Lord, I know that you can raise Lazarus from the grave. That's what she was saying. And folks, that's the heart that Jesus wants us to have this morning in order for us to, ex- to embrace, in order for us to see those things that are maybe dead in our life come back to life again. So with every head bowed and every eye shut, I'm just going to pray a prayer. Put your hand over your heart. Nobody needs to see it, but God sees it. I'm going to pray this morning that your Lazarus is going to come back to life again. That dead and stinking thing, that barren situation is going to be fruitful again. Amen? Lord, I thank you that this morning... That you love us with an incredible love, an everlasting love. I thank you that your heart is toward every single one of us here today. And your ears are attentive, as we said this morning, to your, to, to, to your cry. Lord, Lord, I lift up these precious people here right now. People, Lord, who experience the death of a Lazarus. People, Lord, who, Lord, who, who are mourning and crying over something that, is, that has died. Lord, it might be a relationship that's in pieces. Lord, it might be a, a, a hope that's been dashed. It, it might be a ministry that's, 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 that's ended. It might be a business that's, that's bankrupt. Lord, whatever it is, whatever the Lazarus is, Lord, I ask in your precious name, That, Lord God, those things that people are believing for, those things that they're holding on for, Lord, those things that they're trusting you for today, Lord, I pray life. I speak life and blessing and healing and wholeness into those things in Jesus' name. Lord, I thank you that, Lord God, Lord God, Lazarus is going to come forth from the tomb. Lord, this thing that was dead, buried, and stinking, Lord God, is going to come to life again to give you honor and give you glory, Lord, in Jesus' name. Lord, I pray also for those this morning Lord God, that are they're walking around in, in the grave clothes of an old life when you have a wonderful life for them. Father, I pray this morning. Lord God, I pray that, Lord God, you will enable them, you will empower them. As your word says, to cast off those things that easily entangle us, those things that ensnare us. Lord, I pray that you give them the power and ability to do that, Lord. I pray also that, Lord God, those people... Lord God, they're bound up in sin, the sin of the past, bound up through stuff that's gone on. Lord, I pray that you will, will, Lord God, draw them to people, draw draw them to men and women of God that can encourage them, that can exhort them, that can can help them, Lord, in order to take the grave clothes off, that they may receive receive incredible blessing and incredible life in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.